Welcome to the Live to Die Empty podcast, where together we share in understanding, establishing, and committing to living in purpose. I'm your host, Brittany Tremiar, and I'm excited for this journey. sponsor for today's episode is Anchor. So if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's absolutely free. There are specific creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your own phone or your computer. Anchor will personally distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on multiple platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Anchor allows you to even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's literally everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Try it for yourself. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that's anchor.fm. Now, enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Live to Die Empty podcast. I'm your host, Brittany Tremiar. And today I have a special guest. He's actually the only male that has been on the show so far. <laughs> yes, the first male. Um, and that is CJ Hoyle. How are you, CJ? I am great. And I'm excited to, to be here um, and to rock out with you for a few minutes. Yeah. So. Thank you again. As I said, thank you so much for being willing to take time out of your busy schedule because I know we all got life going on and just sit down and share your wisdom um, and your advice, your godly wisdom with my audience. I say this all the time, but I'm very particular about who I ask to be on this platform or on the uh, episodes. Um, It's really something that's important to me. And so you were definitely on my heart and mind. So thank you so much. Um, Pleasure. So um, I just want to talk a little bit about the podcast to just give you a little background. Um, I started back at the beginning of the pandemic. I started a devotional blog and I would write weekly blogs, every weekly devotionals every day because it was something that was helping me in that time. Mm So I know it was going to help others. And then um, God has been dealing with me a lot uh, over the past at least two years about doing a podcast. I just didn't want to do it. You know, you know what we do. God is dealing with us. Everybody's podcasting, right? Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, And I'm like, everybody's doing a podcast. Exactly. That's the exact thought. But I knew that there was something because he had been dealing with me about it over a course of time, I knew it was a time to, to do it. And yeah. um, I've always been big on purpose. Um, I've seen just in my own experiences, my, uh, experiences in my career and just with people, I've seen from all ages, all generations, that purpose is something that people really struggle with and they still struggle with it. Absolutely. Um, because I think the, the struggle is, um, 
I what is the purpose that I have for myself, not not the purpose that God has for me. And so that's where people struggle. And then they, you know, life just, you know, it comes at them and then they don't they don't know how to handle it because they're not walking in the path and the plan and purpose that God has for them because it doesn't look like what they desire or it doesn't feel right or it's taking too long or, you know, they fight back. So I, you know, that's something that's really important to me. So that's, that's why I created the podcast. So I want you to introduce yourself, talk about who you are and just give us a little background of who is CJ and what does purpose mean to you? Awesome. So, so thank you. Uh, um, CJ is, is a lot of things, but at the same time, absolutely nothing. Uh, and I say that um, sincerely, and I say that uh, meaning, meaning every single word. Um, I'm just, you know, a, a servant of, of the King, just a, uh, somebody that he's decided to, to pluck up out of a life that was getting nowhere and give me a life. And so, first of all, I'm, I'm defined in relation to, to God. Uh, I'm his servant. I'm his son uh, and glad about it. Beyond that, um, so, so excited and so enthused to have the opportunity um, to, you know, be a, be a father to, to three beautiful um, children, to, to be a pastor, to be a licensed professional counselor, um, to be a friend, to, to be someone who's active in um, my community and someone who is interested uh, in sharing everything that I've accumulated so that I can die empty whenever um, that time comes. I don't want to take anything with me um, to the grave and certainly to eternity <laughs> um, because it's, it's of no use to anybody there. I want to leave it here um, so that Ultimately, God can be glorified, uh, but secondarily, uh, people at a at a very multiplied level can benefit uh, from the life, preferably that I've lived. And so, for me, you know, purpose has everything to do. And I think, um, Brittany, you just really nailed it in your in your opening remarks. I mean, purpose has everything um, to do with. Um, God's design, not just for one's existence, but for one's life. Um, just like in a, in a very human sense, we use products and services and, and have uh, an affinity toward things that while they bring us joy and they bring us some sense of lift, um, they weren't designed specifically for that purpose. For instance, you might have your dream car, and that dream car brings you joy. It brings you, you know, a sense of swagginess. It brings you a sense of uh, I've arrived. But the producer of that car did not make that car for that purpose. Right. <laughs> you know, it was made as a mode of transportation. It was made to get you safely from point A to point B um, with a certain amount of speed, with a certain amount of comfort. Um, and so there are some secondary benefits that we often enjoy, but we confuse those benefits for purpose. And the purpose is why am I here and what am I designed to be and do while I'm here? Not the benefits that come along with me doing and being what I am. Those aren't purpose. And so purpose, you know, for me has everything to do with um, 
discovering and uncovering, you know, why am I out of all people occupying time at this particular time? You know, there are so many individuals um, that could be here, but I'm here. So why am I here? And what am I here to be? And what am I here to do? And you can only find that out from the manufacturer. The product doesn't tell itself what its purpose is. The manufacturer does. And so to me, that's the basic definition of purpose. That's so good. That's so good. Um, Going back to what you said about dying empty, that is so big to me. I think in the last episode um, or the last interview, I was talking to a young lady and I said, um, one of my biggest fears would be to go to my grave. um, It's full, still, still having, you know, something left in me. I don't want to die full. I want to die empty. So um, that's really big to me touching on that. Um, Talk a little bit about what you do and your profession and how does that connect to what you know your calling is? So professionally, as I I shared um, already, I'm a licensed professional counselor in the state of um, Virginia. It's interesting because when we were back in college, I was so convinced you know, I'm going to get this psychology degree and I'm going to go to med school. I'm going to do some post-bac stuff so I can, you know, hit it. At one time I was double majoring in psychology uh, and biology. I don't know what I was thinking, <laughs> but my trajectory was, you know, I'm going to be a psychiatrist. I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to deal with the medicinal route mm-hmm. um, until we started to get knee deep in, 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 in our major. I started to get knee deep in my major and begin to see, um, that the practitioner um, portion of, of this field was what interested me more than the medicinal route. Mm-hmm. And so um, finally got here, <laughs> finally got to the space and place where we were able to, to function. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a therapist because I've always uh, respected the power that the mind has over the body. Mm-hmm. And um, for me, my purpose is um, really conceptualized in the statement, um, you know, bringing healing to hurting people. Yeah. And, and that's just, that's why I'm here. Uh, and, and what I've learned is as catchy and as eye appealing as uh, phrasing may be, yeah. um, that in order for me to, to facilitate uh, healing to hurting people, um, God didn't tell me this in the fine print, but, but I had to volunteer myself knowingly and unknowingly uh, for quite a bit of pain. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, and that, that pain that I've been through and am even still working my way through um, hasn't been a, a dead end. I've, I've learned that uh, pain is not a tactic. It's a teacher uh, and that God uses that that pain and has used that pain to teach me uh, how to facilitate healing uh, for hurting people, how to be a part of that community, to build that community, both spiritually and professionally, um, where individuals can come freely and without any type of uh, jumping through hoops and just allow themselves uh, to be healed from the, just the rigors of life. And so as a therapist, I'm thankful that I have the opportunity to, to do that um, professionally. It allows me to 
as a therapist, uh, engage uh, professionally, but also pastorally. You know, every, every person that's coming in and out of, of my office, every person that's on my caseload, you know, they may not be religious or spiritual in any sense of the word, but it is absolutely an outgrowth of my calling to, as a therapist, shepherd them in, hey, this is where you are, um, but that's not where you're going. And so help, let me help you guide you to where you're going. And you don't have to drop your anchor where you are. You know, there, there's, there's a better space, there's a better place, there's an oasis at the other end of this desert. Let's keep going. And so for me, it's just been such a blessing to finally be in a professional space. Um, I, I took, it took a journey to get here, <laughs> but to finally be in a professional space where calling is being realized in the professional context, where I don't have to be called over here. Okay, now it's time to punch in. And that ain't really my calling. That's just where I make money. Yeah. So <laughs> mm-hmm. let me go make this money. Then let me go back to my, now it's, it's a space and a place where, you know, I've got a flock everywhere I go. I have a, a literal flock that I pastor as a pastor, but then I have hurting people who are part of this very much marketplace flock that um, God has not just trained and enabled me to do from a skill standpoint, from an anointing standpoint, but he has put me through an immense amount of pain to teach me. Um, And I didn't know it then, certainly didn't have that framework then, um, but it all crystallized uh, and began to make sense and continues to make sense when I encounter people um, who who remind me of of what pain had to teach me and why I needed the pain before they came in my office. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. So good. Um, so the topic of today's episode is on purposeful relationships and that's relationships mm-hmm. of any capacity. I know that you you do have, you know, an extensive background on um, family and relationships and, you know, and therapy and all of that. So I wanted to really talk about th- that today. Um, from your perspective, why is it so important to be purposeful and intentional in our relationships? Well, the, the short answer is because relationships are both risky and costly. And because they are so risky and they are so costly, that's, <clears throat> excuse me, that, that doesn't change whether it is a healthy relationship or an unhealthy relationship, mm-hmm. positive or negative relationship. There are still inherent risk and inherent costs. And I think if we slowed down and allowed ourselves to really embrace that understanding, um, first of all, we wouldn't enter as many relationships as we do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we wouldn't exit as many, as often as we do. Um, So from a relationship standpoint, anytime I enter into a relationship uh, with someone, no matter the context, there are are risks associated with the vulnerability that relationships require. Show a part of me um, that uh, in some way uh, changes the nature of this relationship or I'm going to show more of me than you're going to show of you, or I'm going to reveal um, something about me that causes you to stagger. So there, there are risks there, but there's also a cost 
um, there's a there's a cost, and I differentiate risk from cost um, because the the cost to me in relationships speaks more to the shared expectations. You know, the risk is that I'm going to show you me. I'm going to show you all of me. The cost is that I expect in showing you all of me that not only will you show all of me in reciprocal fashion, show all of you, excuse me, in reciprocal fashion, but that you will share an investment in this and you will move forward with me in this relationship with shared investment. So it's important to be purposeful and intentional because there is no guarantee that any of that is going to be present in any relationship. Yeah. Nor is there a guarantee that that will be sustained. So some things present themselves initially. Yeah, I'll take the risk. Yeah, I'll pay the cost. But yeah. then as we go, <laughs> right, somebody answers changes or yeah. somebody's investment changes. And again, you cannot control that. You cannot with 100% exactitude predict that. The intentionality and the, and the purposefulness of relationships um, are, are extremely important because when I enter a relationship or when I allow someone to reciprocate that entrance, we, we come into it together, um, that there has to be a, a reason that speaks to my reason. And not my reason for getting in the relationship, but my reason for being here, my purpose. So if we're going to engage in relationship, uh, it needs to speak to my reason. If you're going to be my friend, all right, how does this speak to my reason, yeah. my purpose? Mm. If you're going to be my partner, how does this speak to my reason? Yeah. If you're going to be my church family, whatever, how does that speak to my reason? Mm -hmm. um, because if it does not speak to my reason, then I run the risk of really, really fragmenting and, and creating uh, a lot of havoc in one of two ways with regard to my reason or with regard to this relationship. So I'm not able to really risk myself or pay the full cost in a relationship that collides with my reason. Yeah, I just can't do it. <laughs> and so I'm giving you less of me. Yeah. You're getting not the full benefit of me. Um, I'm not doing you um, the way that you deserve. And you're not doing me the way I deserve because this doesn't align with my reason. Right. And so it's not you. It's not even me. It's my reason. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> you know, and so if it doesn't align alignment, then, then we really need to rethink um, our relationships doesn't mean that I can't know you and be aware of who you are. We can't be cordial, um, but we can't relate if we don't relate. If my my reason collides with your reason for being here. That's good. That's really good. You really put that in a perspective that I, I you know, I don't I don't really see or, you know, or I haven't looked at it in that way. So that's really good. Thank you for that. Um, one of the reasons why I have the people that I have on this podcast is because, like I said, it's things that you know, your experiences, things that you have wisdom about and understanding and can give advice about that I may not. And so someone listening to this, even if it's just one person, this right here, this conversation that we're having and your wisdom and, and, every, and your experiences 
um, which which has come together and created more wisdom in you to put out into the world um, that is really helpful for helpful for someone. So thank you so much for sharing that. Why do you think today's generation finds it difficult to cultivate and maintain purposeful relationships? Oh my. Well, I don't know how many people are gonna like my answer, but I think a large part of the difficulty is because um, you know, this generation and, and ascending generation. So, you know, you're talking um, millennials, you're talking Zoomers, you're talking alpha, you're talking about these ascending groups. Millennials aren't ascending, we're already here, we've been here. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, the others are, are ascending. Um, I think the, the large part of the difficulty lies in the fact that we've seen so much failure, mm. seen so much relational failure. Yeah. Um, we've seen so many um, friendships end over frivolous things. Mm-hmm. We've seen so many partnerships die over greed. We've mm-hmm. seen um, marriages torched seemingly in ways that um, we're still confused about. We've seen, um, you know, believers who were thick as thieves back in the day now no longer yeah. even acknowledge one another's existence. You know, we've seen we've seen political relationships just torched over, you know, who the latest flavor of the month is. Uh, And you can't be exposed. You you, you want to talk about um, trauma in a sense. You can't, you can't be exposed to the trauma of seeing so much failure because trauma doesn't require you to directly be exposed to something that's beyond your ability to handle in the moment. You can also experience trauma via indirect exposure. So just indirectly being impacted by seeing that that much failure, I think has really fostered in this generation and ascending generations that relationships work best when they're transactional, not purposeful, not intentional. You're here to get what you need to get and then get out. Because if you don't get out, then you're going to be wounded. You're going to be hurt. It's going to cost you more then it costs them. You're going to risk more than they risk. And then that's where the, the outgrowth comes of, you know, I'm not going to let anybody play me. I'm not going to let anybody use me. I'm not going to let nobody. And so what, what has been gifted to us by God to bless us relationships Mm -hmm. um, has now, because we've seen so much failure has now been misconstrued into this is not here to bless me. This is here to burden me. Yeah. And it's not a new trick. It's it's an it's an old trick. You go mm-hmm. all the way back to the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. This this old trick of you know, Eve. God's trying to keep something from you. Yeah, He told you not to eat that because mm-hmm. He really holding back. Mm-hmm. He He really trying to burden you yeah. when in reality He was He was attempting to bless. And, and it isn't until we 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 jump over into that space of buying into the lie that we realize yo, this is not what I signed up for. Life has to be more than just transactional connections with people. Mm -hmm. You know, (laughs) maybe that's why I'm hopping from bed to bed. Maybe that's why I go from mate to mate. Maybe that's why I'm I'm pursuing anything that can make me feel anything because Mm -hmm. I don't experience a sense of fulfillment relationally because I don't give myself the opportunity to. Yeah. Um, Failure has taught me that 
um, if you can't get something from a person, don't even bother connecting. And once you've gotten what you need, disconnect mm. before it fails. And, and so I think uh, we, we, have to, we have to reclaim the richness of the relational picture, but also the success of relationships to a generation that has seen just admits failure after failure. Yeah, that's so good. Failure. That's, yeah. that's really, really good. And the trauma behind that, that, like you said, the direct and indirect trauma, we may not, some of us may not come from um, homes where, you know, you know, hey, maybe my parents were married for so many years and, you know, I've wow. seen a healthy relationship, but you know, maybe, you know, going forward in the generations ahead or in my situation or something like that, you know, I may experience some indirect trauma or that person that I'm with or, you know, that friendship mm-hmm. or whatever it is may have experienced some trauma that comes in. And 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 like you said, it, before it fails, it's like we get scared or a fear yes. or whatever it is um, before that happens. We want to go ahead and just disconnect, like you said. Um, that's so good because I see that so many times, all the time. Um, I believe that today's culture or our culture has played a major role in shaping relationships and defining our own purpose for relationships and what our relational needs should be and how we treat others. Why do you believe that or what do you believe the world should know about God's purpose for relationships? So I, I think first and foremost, um, the world should know that God's purpose for relationships begins and ends uh, with him being a part of all relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that notion in that, that verse of Ecclesiastes where it talks about, you know, uh, a three um, strand cord, mm-hmm. cord is not easily broken. Right. You know, this, this notion of um, it is harder to sever and harder to separate uh, a cord, or in this case, a relationship. When there are three, three strands, God being the center, and then the two parties in that relationship. And why is that important? Because from a purposeful standpoint and from an intentional standpoint, if we're thinking about relationships through the framework of not only is this serving my purpose, mm-hmm. but can God be a part of this relationship? Yeah. Well, that cuts out 70% of what we <laughs> call relationships. Right. You know, can, can God be a part of this, not just from my perspective, but from the other person's perspective, yeah. you know, or is this a dynamic where they just want to be with me? They don't necessarily want to be with the God in the middle that's navigating and ordering this relationship. And yeah. then secondly, not only does God desire to be a part of all the relationships, as the anchor, as the center. And if he can't be a part of it, then it's not something that we um, should be interested in because it's going to collide with our purpose, which is God-given. But secondly, that relationship from God's perspective, and this flies into the face of culture, but also flies in the face of fear. Mm -hmm. God's purpose for relationships is not for us to get, but to give. Yeah. This is why the this is why the model is presented uh, in the New Testament that he that's going to be greatest among you is going to be your servant. Yeah. This is why the model is presented Jesus getting on his knees with a towel and washing the feet of his disciples. Yeah. 
this modeling of purposeful, intentional God related relationships are relationships that are rooted in service. Yeah. And so we enter this to serve. And, and I know that that sets people on fire because wait a minute, didn't you just hear me say, I'm not gonna let nobody hurt me. Uh-huh. So if I'm giving all this and they don't give it back, then I'm, then I'm hurt. Well, in a godly relationship, three-stranded court, God in the center. Mm-hmm. If you enter it and you enter it to nourish and to serve the relationship and serve the individual in the relationship, and that person reciprocates that service, who loses? You're serving them. <laughs> They're serving you. Mm-hmm. God is in the middle holding it all together. Yeah. Nobody loses, yeah. right? You receive and they receive. Our, our problem and our challenge is that we want to enter a relationship and ensure that we get if nobody else gets. Yes, yes. And God's model is if you trust me enough to come into this relationship and let me be the anchor, mm-hmm. I'll make sure that you're not left hanging. Mm-hmm. I'll make sure that you're not just expended and there's nothing that comes back to you in reciprocity without in reciprocal fashion. But also, well, I make sure that you don't undergo that. I'll make sure that the other party doesn't undergo. So yeah. two things, one, that God is a, he desires to be the center of all relationships. And if he can't be the center, then that relationship is likely not one that is going to benefit you, serve your purpose. Um, and is going to, to, to really bring you any, any life-giving element. And secondly, um, that relationships are vehicles for service, not for exploitation or taking or getting everything you can. And it's in service that you find what it is that you need because God is not going to leave anybody that's trying to serve him and serve other people. He's not going to leave you hanging. That's, that's good. That's good. Servantship. That is a big yeah. one. If whoever's listening, like for real, that is a big one. That's something we all struggle with as we grow and as we continue to grow in different, you know, in different seasons of our lives, we cannot forget that whatever relationship it is, whether it's marriage, it's um, your relationship with your children, your parents, your, um, your friendships. It's, it's, it's really hard. I think now, and this kind of goes into my next question. I think now more than ever, especially, um, you know, coming into the whole pandemic season and when all hell broke loose <laughs> in the world, literally. Yeah, yeah. Literally, right. Um, that, um, that was important to me. Like I really started to see what relationships meant to me. It really, it really forced me to be intentional, um, inside of my household and outside of my household with relationship relationally, because you are forced to be, first of all, you are forced to be with, if you're married with your spouses all the time. Um, yeah, yeah. You're, you're, your schedules are, you know, basically one schedule. You're forced to be with your children um, all the time. Like right now, I'm still virtually going back and forth, still doing some virtual learning with my child Mm -hmm. because of the school situation. So um, that was something, I mean, I learned a lot about myself and I'm still learning because I'm still doing that. And then with your, with my parents, the same thing with my siblings, with my friends. Um, So just, it forced me to be really intentional and really that whole servantship thing um, was 
was big for me. Um, and 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 so I, I I see now more than ever why that's so important and really what God means by that. Um, so that leads me to my next question. Now more than ever is a time where we need relationships and we need community with the current state of our world today. Um, talk about how dangerous it is to isolate yourself from meaningful relationships, especially in this moment in time, and talk about how our relationships can both negatively and positively positively impact our mental health. Um, I read something as I was preparing for this interview, and it was saying without meaningful relationships, we would have a deadened spirit and lack connection to our true selves and to who God intended us to be. So I know if you needed me to repeat any of that, I can, but just kind of talk about that, um, about how relationships are so important right now in this season. Yeah. So I think I follow you. The the first part of that question related to the danger of isolation. Mm -hmm. Um, It's it's extremely debilitating in the short and the long term to isolate yourself um, from other people. Even yeah. you, intro, even you introverts, even mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. folks with a very low social battery, even yeah. you, um, you know, mm-hmm. God tells us in, in Genesis that although he's speaking about, you know, the, the first man, it is applicable to all humanity. When he says yeah. it's not good for man to be alone. Yeah. We take that and we run with that and, and we make it apply specifically to marriage, but it's so much more than that. He wasn't yeah. just talking about the man being unmarried, mm-hmm. um, but he was talking about the fact that there was no comparable creation to the man in the earth at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, there were, there were many animals, but yeah. they had compliments. Yeah. You know, the lions had compliments, yeah. tigers had compliments. And what I always find fascinating about that is, you know, God says that the man is alone. Mm-hmm. It's not good for the man to be alone, right. but the animals are there. Yeah. He's not alone. Yeah. God's there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> How's he alone? Right. The messaging is you don't have nobody like him. Yeah. And it's not good for you to live a life disconnected from other people who are like you. And so it's important because there are benefits that are articulated and even benefits that cannot be articulated Mm -hmm. in connection. You can have all the dogs and cats you want. Yeah. (laughs) But God said (laughs) it ain't good for you to, to be alone. Right. Because there, there's a benefit and there's a compliment. There's a cooperation. There's a companionship and there's a carrying that happens in relationship. Mm-hmm. And so when we're, when you're alone in those rigorous seasons of life, I know you, you know, you might be one of those. I know the type, I don't need nobody, but Jesus. Well, yeah. <laughs> even, even God said, <laughs> no, <laughs> it ain't good for you to be alone. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm with you, yeah. but I'm not with you like a living, breathing person. Right. right. And mm-hmm. you need a living, breathing person to help you do life. Right. Even when you when you zoom into New Testament work, when he sends them out two by two, I mean, hello, he didn't send them out alone. 
Like I'm sending you out with a living, breathing person. And so this nature of doing life together is God's intention. It is a distortion and a perversion of God's intention to, to push this narrative of, I don't need no team. I'm team me. I'm going to just do life by, I'm going to just do me. I'm going to just do life alone because that's not how life has been designed and set up and you burden yourself by taking this badge of loneliness of sort of a lonesome journey when it's not God's will for any of us to live like that. Um, and, And we really, we really have to, um, allow ourselves. And it doesn't mean you have to be connected to everybody that walks by you. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but allowing yourself the, the grace to try to connect mm-hmm. with other individuals who are going to assist you in just doing life right? in, in, in managing seasons, managing moments, managing times, getting connected with people who you can just be you around. Right. Right. I, mm-hmm. I, I love the fact that, you know, during, during the earthly ministry of Jesus, he didn't just do miracles with the disciples. He mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. both God and man mm-hmm. around them. Right. You know, he was just, it's, it's y'all are just my followers. Mm-hmm. Y'all are my, at one point he says, you, you transition, you're my friends. friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And wow. so if mm-hmm. like, if, if, if God in the flesh, said because i'm in flesh i need some friends yeah and we do then we do too exactly we do too because we can't do life healthily nor can we mess with somebody's sacred cow nor can we accomplish purpose successfully that's good in isolation in isolation if your if your purpose can happen just with you then that's not your god-given exactly exactly Um, I'm, anybody can challenge me on that. <laughs> if you can just, you can do it by you and with you and for you and in you, and you don't need nothing to nobody else, then that's not what God has given you. That might be your purpose, but that's right. not God's purpose for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I think the second part yeah. of what you were, of what you were sharing, um, you know, just, just in relation to um, the positives and the negatives. And I think yeah. I, I left out the the last the last component of that question. So um, how it can, it, ask how about it can impact your mental health? Got you. Got you. So um, again, uh, one of the reasons that, you know, it's, it's so important to have, you know, what we call in the mental health world, um, natural supports, you know, those individuals that you uh, can exist with in relationship, friends, family, companion, kids, um, those um, forces or those um, perspectives that will be there um, and they're there in a natural sense yeah. um, is that they, they allow you to um, really, really challenge and bounce your cognitions, your thoughts off of another person. Yeah. So it's so beneficial when you don't have purposeful and intentional relationships Mm -hmm. you're left to do the battle of managing your mind all alone yeah Mm. and it's a very different battle when i'm doing this all alone and i'm fighting through is this true yeah is this helpful Mm -hmm. is this real 
Is this something that I should be concerned about? Is this something I should be worried about versus mm-hmm. when I have someone? And, and it's not necessarily you seeking out a person for advice. It's yeah. just the social dynamic of, right. you know, had this, had this thought run across my mind. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't know where it came from, but it just, yeah. it just was there. And, and I was stuck on it for a while. And mm-hmm. that person being able to just give you perspective, again, not advice, you didn't solicit advice, but perspective regarding, yeah. you know, I have wild thoughts too. Mm-hmm. I couldn't even tell you some of the stuff that comes across my mind. Mm-hmm. Just that relationship and that connection normalizes that, hey, automatic thoughts are real things. Sometimes we have thoughts that just intrude our mind and they don't come into our mind with an invitation. We don't try to yeah. find them. Mm-hmm. We aren't thinking of them. Yeah. That's so true. And just because we have a thought doesn't make it true. Yeah. And so we don't, we don't, we don't have an opportunity to have that reality reinforce when we do our life on our own, because we have to sit with our own thoughts, right. our own feelings. We have to, we have to grapple with whether um, what we believe is true is actually true. But mm-hmm. when I have relationship, I have, you know, th- think, think in a science context, you know, I, I have a laboratory to test these things. Yeah. Right. So I don't have to, you know, I, I'm, I'm feeling depressed, but if I'm in relationship with other people, I've got a laboratory to really work that out, to yeah. really test out, you know, hey, um, am I experiencing depression or am I clinically depressed? You know, <laughs> I can work that out in relationship. You know, am I sad or am I, you know, despondent in despair? I can, I can work out with people who are there in a God-ordained, God-forged relationship that, hey, this is where I really am. I don't have to pretend nor do I have to hide behind um, my, my own assumptions. But when I am in an isolated space, my, my mental health um, is really in jeopardy because the only resource I have is me. When I'm in relationship with other people, I'm connected to so many more resources. Uh, and it doesn't always mean someone having the right word to say or the right truth that I need to hear, you know, Let's call up Job and his friends. They were good until they opened their mouth. Just the power of their presence, right? That power of relationship, just being there with him. How many times have, have, have we cried and, and, and someone that we connected to, uh, it wasn't what they said that, that lifted us. It was the fact that they just let us cry and they didn't leave. They stay right there and just let us cry. Maybe they let us cry on their shoulder. Maybe they, they let us cry and heal the tissue box, but they were there. And the power of their presence said more than, than them lecturing us ever could. When we disconnect from others, that's, I think, the space where you need to strive to connect even more so because there's power in community. Uh, and sometimes that power is just being present, um, not necessarily someone giving you the right right thing to do or telling you the right thing to say. Sometimes just being there in the space with other people, you know, love and care about you can be enough to, to help you get the reins of your mind again and, and, and live to try another day. That's so good. That's really, really good. Um, you spoke a little, you touched a little bit on, on this before, but um, rela- relationships in general are said to be mirror images that reflect and show us ourselves. 
What are some of those things that they reveal to us about ourselves? And what are the things that we need to pay attention to as they're being revealed to us? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think one of the things that relationships can reveal to us about us um, is our tendency to try to fix other people in the name of service. So some of us only enter relationships with people that we deem to have some deficit that we have as a strength. And so I'm getting in this relationship and I'm connected with this person because I can help them. Not I can serve them, but I can help them. I can bring them up to where they need to be. Um, and, and if you survey your relationships and you, and you see and you discover and you find that not, perhaps not even consciously, but, but you have connected with people that sort of look to you with this savior complex, you're the person that everybody calls to save the day. But why is that? What does that say about you? And what does that say about the relationships you've entered or the relationships you, you are continuing to allow to endure? I think they can reveal in us our fears. Uh, some of us, we relate to people um, that we um, feel like we, we enter relationships with people that we believe are never going to leave and have no reason to leave. You know? So it's not a relationship that's really serving me but I know they ain't going nowhere. So <laughs> that's my boy or that's my girl or, you know, oh yeah, I'll, I'll settle down and make a life with this person because I know they, they'll never go anywhere. Uh, and what does that say about you from a, from a fear-based standpoint? Particularly when I shared earlier, every relationship carries with it risks. Uh, it carries with it costs. And some of us, we cheat ourselves in relationships in the name of not just minimizing. I want to eliminate the risk and the cost. Find me the person who ain't got no other friend but me and I'll be their friend. And they're not going nowhere no matter how I treat them because I'm their only friend. Or show me the one that has no other prospect and I'll connect with them. Show me the employer that can't pay anybody enough money to work for them and I decide to work for them. Then that's a relational dynamic where um, perhaps what's being revealed is my own fear of entering a relationship where a person actually has other options and they chose to be in relationship with you, but you're not the only choice they could have made, which for some people is terrifying. <laughs> you chose me today, but you got other options. So you might choose someone else tomorrow. And so to kill that notion, I'm going to find the person that don't have no options. I'm going to find the community that don't have no options. I'm going to, you know, raise my children in a, in a, in a capacity where they don't have no options. They got to look to me for everything because if they ever get options and they ever choose someone other than me, maybe I'm not going to be able to accept the fact that Choosing another person doesn't mean that they're exiting a relationship with me. Perhaps for me, it will all fuse together and I'll, I'll interpret it as a fallacy that if they choose someone else, that means that they're not choosing me. 
And so it reveals our fears. It reveals our, our sense of, um, you know, need to be needed, this savior complex, this, this notion, this idea um, that, that I have to save as opposed to the healthy construct of relationships, though God's ideal is for us to use them as vehicles for service, they exist to be mutually beneficial. That, what is it that is so uncomfortable with meeting needs, but also having your needs met in the same relationship? Why do we have some relationships where I get my needs met and then others where I meet other needs, I, I meet their needs? What, what, but God's ideal is for that to be happening in the same context. And for some of us, that's too risky, that's too costly, because if I open myself up to having my needs met in the same space where I'm also meeting needs, what's stopping that person from deciding one day or stopping that employer or stopping that system or stopping that construct or stopping that church from deciding, hey, today's the last day we're going to do that. And the reality is there's nothing stopping them. But if God is at the center, then he's the guarantee that there is nothing that you can endure or that the other party in that, can, in that relationship can endure. If I'm the center, there's nothing that you can endure that uh, will produce a dynamic where you are left hanging. You may hurt, but I'm not going to leave you hanging because I was the center of this. <laughs> and if I'm the center of it, God takes on the obligation of it. I'm, I'm obligated. I'm committed to ensuring that this blesses. And if a person makes another decision, God's going to maintain his obligation to ensure that relationships continue to bless you. Maybe not that one. Maybe that one's dead and done. But he's committed to ensure that you recover whatever you lost because you you didn't allow one experience to become a generalization and say, well, because they fail, all relationships are failure. That's a lie. That's cognitive distortion. It's like saying, you know, because one woman walked out, all women are going to walk out. Or because one daddy is a deadbeat, all daddies are deadbeat. Or because one employer fired you, every other person I work for is going to fire me. No evidence to support that. That's just fear talking. Um, and so I think that's that's where I stand with regard to that question. That's so good. The next question or the last question is, what advice would you give to those who may struggle with cultivating and maintaining all that we've talked about, which is purposeful relationships? So my advice, uh, shameless plug, I acknowledge my bias. Um, <laughs> my, my advice um, is to... Um, go to outpatient therapy. My advice is for you to participate in outpatient therapy with a, a licensed therapist. Um, and I'll say this about therapy, that the number one indicator for a successful therapeutic outcome is not the therapeutic model. It's not the therapeutic interventions. It's not the location. It's not the prestige of whoever you've looked up. It is the actual therapeutic relationship between you and therapist. So don't just go to therapy. Go to therapy 
with a therapist that you feel comfortable with and competent. You, you need to be able to do the work, but also feel like they know what they're doing. Um, and that's the number one indicator. If you get that, stick with that, uh, because the cultivation of relationships, the enjoyment and the experience of relationships with other people starts um, with, with the self. And so if you're not your healthiest self, um, then your relationships are not going to function at their healthiest potential. And it's true for the other party as well. And so one of the things that therapy does, is it doesn't just teach us how to develop and cultivate healthier relationships. It also teaches us what our non-negotiables are in relationships. <laughs> it teaches us to see things that are going to be a problem for us a mile down the road. And so before we even jump into something, the insight derived from therapy, from, from talking to someone who's supposed to be a trained listener, a skilled clinician, who is supposed to be uh, comfortable with guiding you. Therapy is not the place where you get told what to do and what not to do, but, but guiding you into the realization of your own therapeutic goals, your own interests, guiding you through the process of your own self-exploration and determining the path forward that best meets your needs. And it's okay if that path changes because you're constantly changing. Uh, therapy, a place that's revelatory for self, but also revelatory um, in, in relation to how you do relationships with other people. This is also a, a, a space that you can bring all that failure into and you can work through, you know, this is why I don't want to do this. I don't feel this. I don't, because I've seen this, I've done this. And as opposed to going to the barbershop, if you're a guy or the beauty salon, if you're a girl and just kind of having shop talk, but no therapeutic benefit, <laughs> why not? Why not find a therapist where you could actually bring that and, and begin to work through it and begin to heal from it and begin to chart a new path forward. So um, it doesn't have to be long-term. It can be brief. You know, you don't have to, you know, um, find a therapist or feel like you, you signed a lifetime contract. You go for what you need for as long as you need uh, and then disconnect and try. Try to take what you gather and implement it uh, in cultivating relationships. Sometimes that means that you don't have to go out and find new relationships. Sometimes you just take what you are gaining and you begin to refresh the relationships you already enjoy. But other times it's going to mean, yeah, I've got to, I've got to cut some things or I have to start with a whole new slate uh, and, and try this again, because that's just where I am. So that would be my, <laughs> my advice. And again, shameless plug, I acknowledge my bias, but, uh, but I, I think it, it carries tremendous benefit. Um, a lot of people, it is, it's a lot better now, but a lot of people have, has so many, uh, problems or issues with therapy. Um, yeah. you know, uh, coming from, you know, I've said this before coming from your background or coming from, um, you know, some, some church folk have problems with it. Some black families and, you know, yeah. um, families of people of color, like 
a lot of people have problems with it. And we, it's been a generational thing. It's been a thing that has happened over the years that people have these issues with therapy. It was always looked down upon, but now it's just, it's a uh, brighter light is shed on therapy. And it's so important. God okay. gives the people that, that their purpose is to provide therapy for you to facilitate that environment for you. So that's so good. Um, That's, that's a great uh, strategy. And then I think it's one of the number one things (laughs) that along with God, that we need um, to, to get us through this life. 